this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. Two years ago this month, Walt Disney World and Disneyland closed its gates. As events were unfolding worldwide, Bob Chapek was named the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, replacing Bob Iger. While some highlights stand out, it has been a painful experience for most involved during this time period. Much of this has been played out, not just during a time of COVID, but during a time frame that stretches from awareness that Black Lives Matter to the present don't say gay legislation happening in the state of Florida. In this, we not only look at whether Chapek is the right fit as CEO, but we address how an organization that promises to be more active in matters of diversity, equity, and inclusion can at times be so far away from the goal. Join us on this podcast, The Slow Fall of Bob Chapek and Disney's Long Road to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And before we get started, let me invite you to visit DisneyAtWork.com where we have chronicled some 60 events over the last two years that really suggest the the tone and experience that has occurred during this time period. Now, I have to also say, I'm not a journalist. I have spent a lot of time and energy researching the dates and the time frame by which these things occurred. Please forgive me if I'm missing a detail or if I've gotten a date out of order, but I have tried to kind of put this all into some kind of total, uh, well, to try to make some total sense of what has gone on and where we stand right now. Events have been occurring so rapidly in just the last week or two that it has just been difficult to really even put a ribbon around this thing. But we're going to do our very best to try to give you a sense of what has happened in the last two years and where we are currently at. Let's start over two years ago on January 25th, 2020. On this date, Shanghai Disney Resort and Hong Kong Disneyland closes its doors due to fears of a COVID outbreak. It's on the news. It's on the news every night. And people are speculating to the degree that it is going to enter the United States and in what way it's going to impact life here. That's January 25th. Now fast forward to February 25th, 2020. Bob Chapek is named the new CEO of the Walt Disney Company, with Bob Iger staying on to support creative efforts as chairman through the end of 2021. Now, a lot has happened between those two dates during that month. It is very clear at this point that it is not a question of if, but a question of when and to what degree COVID is going to impact the United States. And it is, um, I remember during this time, very much thinking, okay, should there not be some protocols put in place in the park as to social distancing or just simply putting your finger on the device as you enter the park and identify yourself with your annual pass? It just seemed right during this time period to be a very awkward phase. And here is, all of a sudden, Bob Chapek named the new CEO. Now, mind you, efforts to create a CEO, that had been going on some time. We'll talk about that a little more toward the end, but the timing of this is very strange, very awkward, and events are just happening very quickly. A few days later, on February 29th, 2020, Tokyo Disney Resort now announces it's closing due to fears of a COVID outbreak. On March 12, 2020, Universal Orlando announces it is going to close due to COVID. And on March 14, 2020, Disneyland Paris 
closes two days earlier than previously announced. It's previously announced closure of March 16th due to COVID. On that same day, March 14th, the Disney Cruise Line suspends all sailings temporarily due to COVID. And the following day, March 15th, 2020, both Disneyland and Walt Disney World resorts close at the end of the day due to COVID. At this point, all Disney parks worldwide are now shut down. Fast forward a couple more weeks. April 5th, 2021. With uncertainty for employees as to how long Disney is going to help support them, salary cuts for C-suite employees at Disney is put into motion. Chapek has had his salary reduced by 50%. Bob Iger agrees to forego 100% of his salary. Various decreases in pay for senior vice presidents, executive vice presidents, and vice presidents were also enacted. Um, to the degree of uh, 20% for vice presidents, senior vice presidents by 25%, and executives by 30%. On April 12th, 2020, the New York Times runs an article interviewing Bob Iger, who insists he would not step away from the company, stating, quote, a crisis of this magnitude and its impact on Disney would necessarily result in my actively helping Bob Chapek and the company contend with it, particularly since I ran the company for 15 years. End of quote. According to three others in that executive circle, Bob Chapek is furious with this article. And apparently, or probably at least from what we can best assume, he makes that displeasure unknown because three days later on April 15th, 2020, three days after that article, Bob Chapek is elected to the company's board of directors. In my opinion, probably to appease his frustration with what Bob Iger had stated. Now, mind you, I understood what Bob Iger was stating because honestly, he kind of, here's the middle of COVID and now he says, I'm stepping away. And that seems a little, a little weird in terms of timing. So I'm not surprised that he's coming back to make this kind of comment. But at the same time, I can't help but wonder if Bob Chapek's a little ticked that he's, you know, being put into this seat at such an unusual time. And it's almost like he himself is being set up for failure. On May 20th, 2020, Disney Springs reopens. I think, as I recall, um, City Walk over at uh, Universal Orlando had opened up about a week prior to that. Um, that was an interesting moment. It was the first time I had had any interaction with Josh DeOmaro um, and actually did a video interviewing him a little bit about his relationship with uh, Disney cast members. I could probably put that on onto the side, you can certainly see that on my YouTube channel, but I remember him walking very much around Disney Springs, seeing how this reopening was going. I also remember that morning, it was a very quiet morning as that um, retail outlet reopened. On May 31st, 2020, the Walt Disney Company releases a statement addressed to all employees in light of the recent unrest following the killing of George Floyd and other instances of lethal attacks and harassment of unarmed black citizens in the United States. In fact, on June 3rd, 2020, the Walt Disney Company pledges $5 million to support nonprofit organizations that advance social justice, beginning with a $2 million donation to NAACP to further their long-standing work promoting social justice by eliminating disparities and racial discrimination through their advocacy and education programs. So you can see that this event is impacting corporations across America. You recall many of them, like the Disney Company, pledged support, put down, made statements saying they were uncomfortable with what happened um, 
and that they supported Black Lives Matter. And this is probably a key event that begins a series of conversations um, that, that were long overdue in the company in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So much, at least, that on June 25th, 2020, out of the blue, I remember working at the gym when this got announced and thinking this is just kind of almost out of the blue. It's announced that Splash Mountain at Disneyland and Walt Disney World will be reimagined with an overlay based on Disney's The Princess and the Frog. Now, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people thought, oh my gosh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come anytime soon. I knew that it would at least be about three years before we would see it happen. And frankly, right now, we're coming into June 25th of 2020, and we have not even seen it closed for construction, much less the probably what is going to take eight to 12 months to reimagine it and, and redo it. I expect probably that this attraction will, uh, that, that Splash Mountain at both parks will probably go down in after the holidays this year in 22 and then uh, go through the uh, reimagining process and, and being turned over to to be made into the princess and the frog. What's, what's interesting is that at the same time, we're also dealing with issues of, well, what's how, you know, when, when is Tron coming? Because we thought Tron could be even within the year at that time. Construction was very, and so it was on. I mean, the trains had closed that, that impacted the Walt Disney World train had closed, what, a year and a half before? The, I mean, we had a lot of projects going on at Walt Disney World and over at Disneyland. And um, and uh, and now um, and now we're getting and we're uncertain. There's no real statement as to whether these things are coming or not or when they're coming. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, we have, oh, by the way, we're going to reimagine Splash Mountain with Princess and the Frog. As if to appease, as if to suggest to uh, the community at large, see, we are, we are an inclusive organization, which I welcome this overlay. I'm not sure that the timing was appropriate when, in truth, there were some really more difficult conversations that needed to take place during that period, not one about redoing a Disney attraction. On July 11th and 15th, the Magic Kingdom and Disney's Animal Kingdom reopen. They are the first, and they're followed by Epcot and Disney's Hollywood Studios three days later. With each opening comes a lot of uh, requirements and expectations put in place as it relates to COVID, including a new reservation system if you are to attend. I remember working very hard to make sure I got an invitation or that I had a reservation to the Magic Kingdom on that first day, July 11th, and that I had reservations in the days that followed. This was even before park hoppers had been reintroduced. Um, and I remember all the events of that day. That was a very big day. And yet it will be a long time before Disneyland really reopens. On August 20th, 2020, and this is August 2020, and this is, uh, hold on a second, let me get this right, um, May, June, July, August, this is just barely, just barely over four months. August 20th, 2020, Chapek announces the salaries of senior executives would be restored to pre-COVID levels. You think about how crazy this announcement or this information is at this point. First off, they didn't make an announcement. It became known that this was happening and then it got all over social media and it put a really bad um, stain. And you just look at how premature that is. At the same time, on September 29th, a little more than a month later, Disney begins to permanently eliminate around 28,000 domestic jobs in its theme parks division due to uncertainty surrounding the COVID pandemic. 
two-thirds of which will be part-time roles, as if that's going to make things a softer or better. But you see the juxtaposition of these two events during this time period sends a message that, that in the C-suite, Disney's, I mean, we're all trying to figure out COVID. But in this moment, you're getting the feeling that maybe they just don't see how they come across. Well, fast forward from, from that date to November 3rd. You will remember November 3rd when I mention it to you. Joseph Biden wins the U.S. presidency against Donald Trump. Open Secrets notes that Disney contributed $1,221,545 to that campaign. Um, similar amounts, by the way, were, were also uh, made by Facebook and organizations like Apple. During this same election cycle, Politico notes in its that in campaign finance reports disney donated some 4.8 million to florida candidates in the 2020 election cycle they donated 913,000 to the republican party of florida and another 586,000 to gop senate campaigns as so the record shows the company also donated 313,000 to the florida democratic party and then ultimately 50,000 directly to DeSantis. Uh, well, that, that alone is COVID in 2020. Let's look at 2021. On January 11th, 2021, Disney announces that it will be ending Disney's Magical Express, a program offering complimentary transportation to the parks for some 15 years prior. Again, this wouldn't be such a big event in and of itself, but somehow through social media, this almost became um, a symbol that Disney was, was making guests pay for it and taking advantage of making as much money as they could on Disney guests. Now I have, if you go back to my podcast at the time, I have to say, you know, I could see changing tastes and I could see the introduction of Uber and, and why they did Magical Express because they wanted to keep you from going over to Universal, but people were still taking Uber anyway. And, and, and that's really where younger uh, markets are going to go for younger people are not going, you know, millennials are not going to sit necessarily on a bus, all those kinds of things. I could kind of see the thinking at the time, but the message to guess, it is one of the things that is most often been brought up in the last, well, oh, nearly year and a half is how Magical Express was taken away as a complimentary option. On January 25th, 2021, Following the insurrection at the nation's capital, a number of Republican legislators from Florida opposed at least one of the state's electoral college results, an action the Walt Disney found, Company found indefensible and reason to halt donations to such lawmakers. In a statement, Disney said, quote, immediate aftermath of that appalling siege Members of Congress had an opportunity to unite, an opportunity that some sadly refused to embrace. In light of these events, we have decided we will not make political contributions in 2021 who, to lawmakers who voted to reject the certification of the Electoral College votes. End of quote. I think this, these are important. You probably didn't even know that Disney responded to the event that occurred uh, during, during that period. Um, and I think it's easy for some people to say that Disney is all right, all toward the right and all toward the left, especially um, with the uh, uh, Don't Say Gay um, bill that they supported. We're gonna come to that a little later on, a Don't Say Gay legislation. 
But in truth, Disney just has always had this habit, and I don't think it's a good one, of putting money into people on the in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. I mean, even um, Bernie Sanders has gotten money from Disney. Um, those those contributions, I don't think is really helping Disney to be Disney. And instead, it makes Disney just look like another corporate entity. And that's not that's not Disney's best best image. Speaking of image, on April 13th, 2021, the Disney look is reimagined, quote, fostering a culture of belonging. In other words, uh, traditional requirements made of cast members in terms of visible tattoos or piercings or any number of hairstyles and so forth have been taken away so that it allows um, guests to see cast members who are more just like they are. And that's not a bad, that's not a bad idea. I don't think it has ruined the look of Disney cast members. I'm far more interested and concerned, and I've always said this, I'm far more interested and concerned on just the lack of smiling and greeting and cordialities that are needed of all Disney cast members. When you are treated wonderfully, when you are treated kindly and generously, Nobody notices what you look like. Nobody cares what you look like. And Disney has had, frankly, a bad history of a Disney look, which in, oh my goodness, in years past, in decades past, uh, kept things, even like pregnant women or expecting women, from being able to have a role on stage. You could not have a role on stage. By the way, I could not be hired because I was too tall at the time. Um to be hired because they didn't have costumes. You had to fit a certain size. You got too fat, too big, you couldn't have you couldn't be hired. It was there were so many requirements to create this perfect Disney look that frankly um it was time for some changes there in terms of creating not only a brand but a culture that um that was more inclusive. On April 13th that same day Disney announces, formally announces, a fifth key of inclusion to its four keys of safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. I want to say I was well aware of that key being um, worked on sometime prior, um, perhaps even during the same time that the Princess and the Frog overlay was announced. But from what I could see in, in uh, announcements, that was the moment Disney had announced that fifth key of inclusion. Now, um, I, um, in my business experiences and, and when I was with Disney, I talked a lot about Disney's four keys, the safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency. We spent, uh, I've spent years studying um, how those concepts and ideas are applied toward creating a great thematic uh, experience. I've also gone on to work with dozens of organizations in the public, private, nonprofit sectors, identify their own standards, not safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency, but what would their standards look like? And I've spent a lot of time on this. So when inclusion came, I was very excited to do a podcast initially, and I talked to a close, good friend, someone who uh, I respected as having good insight on what this would look like. I have to tell you, this has been the hardest podcast to create. I hope to do more in the future. This is the closest I've gotten, and I'm sorry I haven't gotten closer. It's not because it's not interesting to me. It's because I want to understand it. I want to state it well. I'm not sure, frankly, that Disney completely understands it. I think it's still grasping to figure out what it means and how it's applied, not just, again, uh, redoing Splash Mountain, but how's it really applied when you are trying to um, help somebody who just is sweeping streets or popping popcorn? How do you how do you make that meaningful as a fifth key? How do you make that? Um, how do you create behaviors that make that um, a meaningful value or standard? At any rate, that was a big announcement by Disney. That's not a light thing. 
and uh, it has um, it, it it was a big uh, big announcement at the time. By the way, on the same day, April thirteenth, where we're looking at a foss, uh, at the new Disney look and the new fifth key of inclusion, on that same day, the press notes. Bob Chapek has purchased a home for $12.5 million in Westlake Village Estates, close to Calabasas, if you've seen Cheaper by the Dozen on Disney. And by the way, if you haven't seen Cheaper by the Dozen on Disney, let me tell you, that is a great film. We have absolutely enjoyed it. But at the heart of this film is a diverse family with um, coming from many points of um, experience and gaining a little bit of money. And with that money, guess where they move? They move to Calabasas only to realize it's not quite them. In the same way, I just wonder when somebody spends 12.5 million on an estate, very similar, very comparable to what you get in Calabasas. I'm just wondering if, if this is a right fit for a CEO to be in this kind of lifestyle. April 30th, 2021, Disneyland Resort reopens with a new reservation system in place. June 17th, 2021, Disneyland Paris reopens. I believe it had a a short reopening and then a closure, but it um, reopens Disney's Hotel New York reopens as the Disney Hotel New York Art of Marvel a few weeks later on the 21st. On July 15th, 2021, Josh DeMauro is excited to announce that 2,000 cast, Imagineers, and employees will be relocating from Imagineering's Glendale headquarters to Lake Nona, Florida. If you're not familiar with Lake Nona, uh, well, then you probably haven't taken a plane because actually uh, Lake Nona is just outside the airport area in Orlando and down 417 toward Walt Disney World. This is a big announcement. And I don't know that I've given it enough attention either. Um, let me just stop and talk about this for a moment. I think Lake Nona is a beautiful area. I have friends who live in Lake Nona and they love the lifestyle there. Honestly, it's better than living in areas like Burbank and Glendale out in California. Um, I think that it is an organization's responsibility to make smart decisions that uh, influence, that, that, that allow them to maintain their costs. But Disney got a massive tax deal from the state of Florida that allowed them, not allowed them, but allowed them to pocket this move of cast Imagineers and employees. And that kind of doesn't, that that is problematic and sends a message to your employees that your tax incentives might be more important to you than whether your, your employees are able to reside near their families. After all, um, many of them come from California and their families are up and down um, the streets and down the freeway, not far from where they work. And deciding to come to Florida is essentially leaving that extended family in some way. Now, I'll also tell you that Disney is not picky on Imagineers. It has been moving large segments of its staff to Florida, um, accounting departments, tax departments, and so forth. Lots of administration has been moved away from uh, Los Angeles. It's an expensive place to do business. Um, And... Um, frankly, it, it, a lot, one thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize is that, is that the Walt Disney Company is the only studio whose headquarters are still in the Los Angeles Hollywood area. Everybody else, let's take Universal, they're, they're really headquartered in New York. They're not headquartered in Los Angeles, although they still have their studios and everything. Um, and I will also tell you that um, there were 
pretty handsome severance packages, which probably explains why many of them um, opted to uh, opted to leave because, frankly, they were given a lot of money to leave. That was an incentive for them to go. Um, on the other hand, I will also say that while I love Florida, I love the lifestyle in Florida, California is a creative community. Los Angeles, Hollywood, the whole of it should be a great creative gathering place. Maybe it isn't as much as it was 20, 30, 50 years ago, but it traditionally always has. And so are you, are you, are you decreasing the amount of creative talent that can be part of an experience by moving um, people out to Lake Nona. These are big issues, but the decision is announced that a new campus is being built in Lake Nona and we are moving the entire team. About the same time, by the way, um, there are major changes which come to Imagineering. Um, some are positive, some not so much. June 24th, 2021, Avengers Campus opens at Disney California Adventure. By the way, Imagineering has always had offices at all of its theme parks to keep the operations or to take care of um, operations here. I, I used to spend a lot of time in the Imagineering facilities behind Wonders of Life. I think they took over the Stoleport pretty much with trailers. Stoleport is the short takeoff or landing strip area, and they've been... When when the coaster, for instance, came in for Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride, it came through there, and other other resources come through there, and I think offices are there. So it's not like this this hasn't happened, and there'll still be resources out of Disneyland and so forth. But anyway, all of this is coming. And at the same time, Avengers Campus opens at Disney California Adventure, which is a, a fantastic attraction. A themed land, actually, in total. July 29th. 2021, Scarlett Johansson files a lawsuit on that date after Disney Plus premiere release of the COVID-delayed Black Widow on July 9th, the same day it debuted in cinemas. The response, um, uh, um, the response from Disney um, is that... Um, the legal action is showing a callous disregard to the COVID-19 pandemic that Johansson has already made 20 million already. And um, she, in, in essence, shouldn't be so um, needy, perhaps is the essence of that. Now, mind you, they kind of worked it out in time, and I don't think it was to Disney's bottom line favor. And it certainly caused a lot of... Um, uh, it certainly causes a lot of social media. Um, it, it's just it's just a bad scene. It's just a bad scene, and it's not how the company works. Um, any rate, that happened on July 29th. On August 3rd, 2021, Disneyland announces its Magic Key program for annual pass holders. Um, it has has several tiers, and that. The Dream Key tier will sell out in late October of that same year. On August 9th, 2021, the Disney Cruise Line commences operations again with strict anti-COVID protocols. The Disney Dream will be the first one to sail. Then on October 1st, 2021, the Walt Disney World Resort turns 50. As part of that celebration, Remy's, Ratatouille, and Harmonious open at Epcot, and Enchantment opens at Magic Kingdom. Let's just stop there for a moment and say, in one respect, I'm just impressed the parks were open. I'm just impressed they had anything for the celebration. But it was the 50th. And when other attractions were being made and created, why wasn't particularly Tron introduced at this time? Why wasn't there more for the 50th? I, I've gone into detail as to why they probably didn't from marketing and financial reasons, but it just felt a little less 
than what I think people had hoped for for so many years. On October 19th, 2021, Genie Plus Plus and Lightning Lanes are introduced at Walt Disney World. Now, if... (laughs) This is a book is 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 kind of a bookend to first if you go back to the Magical Express announcement and then you get to the Genie Plus Lightning Lane Select Lightning Lanes kind of thing you just so much of the conversation on social media has not been spent around oh isn't it great to get back to the parks after this long period of COVID. Nah, it's, ah, man, Disney's really nickel and diming you. When are they going to end this? It just never ends. They just, they, and it just keeps going with the introduction of this. Plus, it wasn't well, um, well introduced. It wasn't well communicated. It broke down a lot. There were lots of issues. I've covered that in a previous podcast dealing with Disney and technology. Ah, it, This was a big event because it led a lot of people to feel like Disney really did not have its game face on. On November 18th, 2021, Bob Chapek fails to appear at D23 in Walt Disney World. Again, 50th anniversary celebration. There are some reasons given, but what is believed happened is that he needed he needed to attend Bob Iger's farewell dinner in Iger's home on Friday night. On that Friday night before that. Not that he doesn't have an executive uh, jet to get him from one part to another or that he couldn't have done his thing on Sunday morning or something of that nature. What's interesting, why we really focus on this is that the New York Times just fairly recently, well, we'll talk about it, I think, um, a little later, but but it comes uh, it comes to light that um, that that was a really bad evening. That there was a lot of awkwardness between the two. That they sat at different tables. That Iger uh, said very little about Shapek that evening, and that the whole experience for everyone attending was very awkward according to the article. So that um, that event occurs on November 18th. On November 22nd, Walt Disney World stops sales of its top three tiers of annual passes. The only one available is essentially a Monday through Friday pass at this point. On November 24th, 2021, by the way, I have to say what makes this incredibly um anguishing for people is that a lot of people in wake of COVID were given the flexibility to move where they wanted. And let me tell you, home prices have soared in the area. Housing has become uh, limited because so many people have moved into the area. They want to live near Walt Disney World. We can live anywhere. Let's live near Disney. And they get here. And first off, uh, they can't get an annual pass. And that goes on for the better part of the year. And then when it finally comes on board, um, not long thereafter, three tiers of the annual passes go away. So a lot of people ended up either not getting an annual pass or not getting the annual pass they wanted uh, as a result of, of all of that. On November 24th, 2021, Encanto premieres, and soon no one is talking about Bruno. On December 8th, Genie and Genie Plus debuts at Disneyland Resort which again creates the same anguish among people, but especially concerning is the fact that technology-wise it keeps going down even though they've already been doing it over at Walt Disney World. And then finally, Disney December 31st, 2021, Disney Plus announces that it has some 130 million subscribers. So far... I have covered um, the first two years of COVID, pretty much. We now enter into 2022. And let me tell you, a third of the events that have gone on 
have happened just in the first three months of this year. It has been head swirling. And that's where we're going to pick it up on our next podcast. So I invite you to make sure you subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to Disney at Work so you're notified of upcoming podcasts, which will happen in the next couple of days. We want to take you through the events. We've tried to sort through the events of the last couple of months. And through this, we hope to really underscore some some issues around the fact that Bob Chapek is in a slow fall as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And that at the same time, Disney is not in a good place when it comes to its efforts around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Thank you for joining us and thank you for being part of this podcast. I I hope that you find meaning out of what we're sharing with you. And we hope that, uh, that you can take these ideas and think about your own life and think about your own work and your own employment and where you where you're at and and how how we look at leadership how we look at inclusion how we look at our relationships with one another i hope you'll find meaning in these podcasts and finally in the words of sinbad's storybook voyage well always follow the compass of your heart because frankly this is probably the one thing that the Walt Disney Company needs to do at this time. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.